Hello, and welcome to another episode of Floor 9. I am your host, Scott Elcherson. With me, as always, is my co-host, Adam Simon. Adam, how are you doing? Doing great. Doing great. Glad to hear it. Uh, to kick off this week's episode, summer is upon us. When you go on a road trip, Adam, what is your favorite road trip snack? We covered drinks last time, but we haven't covered snacks. Ooh, um, interesting, interesting. I think... Uh, so I'm I'm more of a, a savory snacker than a sweet snacker, so I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with mixed nuts. Okay, that's a good one. Chips are good, but mixed nuts are relatively, especially if you're driving. You know, you're not gonna get. You might get some salt on your fingers, but it's not like you're getting Cheeto dust on your fingers. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I think that, and and you need that protein to like keep you going. Right. No, that's actually a, a fantastic answer. I am squarely in the realm of any sort of cheese snack so that's either cheese it's or the cheese checks mix which you do oh, get yeah. like that like cheeto dust on your hands as well from like the checks but <laughs> i almost said checks mix uh, uh, okay. mix is, is a quality snack there's a <laughs> yeah. lot of variety in there yeah oh it's yeah it's one of my favorite so that's exciting um well listeners this week uh we'll be talking about some of the recent announcements out of facebook's f8 conference that happened uh this past week as well as some recent news uh that we think is super exciting starting with amazon so amazon will acquire mgm studios for 8.5 billion uh, which is their second largest acquisition ever so adam is this the first major studio in the space to go down or is everybody else going to be on the playing field uh when it comes to these bigger platforms looking for content to feed their uh you know uh subscription services there's lots of of m&a movement in hollywood these days um i think you know that uh the this is coming on the heels of the the warner brothers discovery uh merger which was announced just before this, you know, MGM has been on the the, the block for a little while. They, they've been shopping themselves around for a little while. We know Apple took a strong look at them. Now Amazon is coming in. Their catalog is probably not strong enough to be the tent poles for their own sort of service, which is why they haven't done that. But as an addition to the Prime library, I think it makes a lot of sense uh, because there's a lot of uh, a lot of MGM films that are going to and there's some some rights issues that are some of the the classic MGM films have already been licensed off to other people, but they will come back to Prime eventually. And I think they are taking the long view there. Uh, the big question mark is uh, what happens with James Bond, because Ooh. James Bond is sort of the the shining pinnacle of the MGM library in terms of things that are still in active development. But uh, even though MGM is the distributor for it, uh, they the rights are still controlled by the Broccoli family, um, who are descendants of one of the original James Bond producers from back last, last century. Um, so, uh, you know, I think the natural thing that you would expect is that Amazon will want to turn James Bond into more of a franchise, which is that we're not just getting a new movie every three years, but that we're also getting TV shows right. and spinoffs and maybe comics. Remember, they own Comixology also. So you can imagine James Bond, that Amazon might want to marvelify James Bond, um, but uh, they don't really have the, the the right to do that. So we'll see if maybe the broccolis are a little more amenable to it uh, now than they were a year ago. But um TBD mm -hmm. there. But I think it's really just a great addition to, you know, to Prime to to make Prime video more valuable. Right. And even if they they can't do anything with James Bond in terms of franchising it, just saying we have all the Bond films is going to get uh, you know, 
dads of a certain age interested in watching Prime Video who may not have been. <laughs> and, and me. I stand by it. I think that Pierce Bronson is my favorite Bond. Ooh, interesting. Interesting take. I feel like that might be because of, of when you got into James Bond. Correct. Yeah. That is absolutely 100, 100% correct. But my question, is this more of a content play? Like, are we going to see more major you know, tech companies acquiring these studios for their content and keeping that content exclusive? Or... Is this also a way for them to increase their like production like capacity to make more originals? Um, because we get through a very fragmented ecosystem where obviously right now there are some things like all of the Disney and the Marvel stuff is exclusive like to Disney Plus, but we could see if MGM gets acquired, if Sony gets acquired, if um, Lionsgate, if all of them get acquired, then we're kind of like our movies and content is no longer like freely available across multiple platforms. Yeah. So, um, you pointed out the the next two studios that are sort of (laughs) going, going down priority order of who would be, uh, up for acquisition next, it would be Sony and Lionsgate. Um, Mm -hmm. Sony has made loud noises about not, uh, wanting to sell their studio. Um, although that they, they've definitely changed that, that opinion has gone back and forth, uh, over the past, uh, decade, I would say in terms of, of Sony, owning a studio. With Sony and Lionsgate, it would be more about future content and more about ramping up that production slate. Uh, right. With MGM, I think it is more about the, the library content um, and it's less about mm. you know future productions. So you know, at this point, the, the, the fact of the matter is there's uh, very quickly in the last few weeks, we've had a lot of shifts in the, the entertainment landscape and in the streaming landscape. It's time for everybody to either get big or get out of the game. Um, oh. And I do think that you know, Sony's strategy of, of selling to everybody is one that I think we expect some studios to return to um, in the next few years um, as they sort of get tired of, of you know, trying to either sell themselves to, uh, to a tech company or to, uh, uh, to ramp up their own service. Um, I think, you know, there's a lot of eyes now on Peacock and on Paramount Plus of just now mm-hmm. those two services look very small compared to everybody else on the playing field. Um, and we know they're new. But, uh, you know, the, the new uh, label wears off pretty quickly, as we saw with, <laughs> with HBO Max and seeing pretty quickly uh, that HBO Max and Discovery uh, Plus needed to be as part of the same service. So, you know, who knows how much patience, uh, you know, CBS has for Paramount Plus and, and Comcast has for Peacock. Uh, we'll see. Um, but they either need to be making similar moves to like, like, what, like Amazon acquiring MGM, or they need to be throwing billions and billions of dollars at the production side of things. Probably both, possibly both, (laughs) given the amount of time that I think they have to really establish themselves in the market. Uh, At least in the US, all of this is very different globally because um, globally it's a little bit behind the US. But it's interesting that some of these players might not get the chance to make their global pitch for dominance just because uh, the market in the US is shifting so quickly. Well, it is always an interesting dynamic in this space that is ever evolving. So we'll be keeping an eye on that. And I do want to pivot quickly to another streaming service with a recent announcement, which is HBO Max. And they have debuted uh, ads for the first time. Uh, so they're launching with over 35 brands. And it looks like users will see no more than about four minutes of advertising per per hour. I believe this is something that we knew was in development uh, for for HBO Max, and now it's, it's it's officially here. So we think this is a great opportunity for 
brands to get in front of you know uh, premium content. Uh, previously, that was not available um, before. Just knowing the quality of shows that d- does come out of the HBO um, catalog and and production teams. I'm pleasantly surprised at how quickly they got this out the door. Um, that it wasn't like the end of this year. Uh, that it was they made it before summer, and I think this is going to be an important component as we move towards this merger with Discovery because whether they're the same service or they're bundled together, I think in the short term, they probably will just be bundled together and you'll get a discount for subscribing to both. In the right. long term, they'll probably be on the same service. Um, but uh, Discovery also has has um, an ad supported tier and they actually really led with that as opposed to HBO Max, which com- came in with the premium tier first. And uh, there'll be great synergies for probably presumably by the end of the year we'll be talking about synergies for for buying and targeting across both of those platforms if not mm-hmm. uh if those platforms aren't actually combined yet um and i think you know that that there are a lot of opportunities there um for 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 brands to reach a really wide audience and i think this is just going to help make you know widen the audience for for hbo max um which was by far the most expensive streaming service well, not by <laughs> far i guess netflix is is getting up there but it was it was you know starting at the top next i want to transition into our last bit of news in the social commerce space. So this announcement comes from Instagram. They have a new social commerce feature called Drops, uh, which is essentially in their shopping section that users can uh, open a new tab and view a catalog of different products that have just been launched uh, on, on the app. So this is Instagram's, I think, really their first kind of integrated uh, product that is going to be all focused on shopping on their platform. Um, Today, they're not taking any fees or any transaction fees, uh, stating that they're looking to help small businesses that were impacted by COVID um, just be on the platform and and start selling. But um, that is to remain TPD because it seems like this is going to be one of the ways uh, Instagram is thinking about monetizing uh, their their product. As we know, there's a lot of potential regulation going around around privacy and data and what's happening with Apple that could impact you know potential advertising uh, revenues for for Instagram. But uh, that aside, uh, super exciting. I love how this is again a native shopping product within the Instagram platform, similar to what we're seeing happening with YouTube. Um, so I'm just excited to find these new avenues on social that can kind of have these points of commerce uh, and transaction take take place. Yeah, it's uh, it's very cool. And it, it does already support uh, b- being named drops, uh, obviously. It does already support sort of uh, setting reminders for things that were, are going to drop at a future date, uh, which is very cool, um, as well as browsing things that have reach- recently launched on the platform, as you said. So, you know, it's uh, it's it's a kind of a new new discovery tool on Instagram for shopping. So we'll continue to monitor how that product rolls out and uh, keep our brands listeners updated on potential opportunities. And with that, we are going to roll right into uh, announcements from the Facebook F8 refresh. Adam, so this is our third developer conference so far. (laughs) So the season is just off to a booming start. We have Apple coming up next week. I'm curious, what were your initial opinions or thoughts on uh, the F8 conference? Uh, Compared to Google and Snapchat, this one seemed to be of the lowest quality uh it seemed like it was we were we, i felt like i was on a zoom call the entire time yeah yeah it it was definitely a the smallest sleepiest f8 that uh, i've ever seen i've been going to f8 since uh, the very first one um you know something like 
uh, more than 10 years ago, whenever that first one was. Uh, and even that was, was a little, was much more active and uh, sort of engaged. This was, uh, it was, a, it was a zoom call, <laughs> you know, um, there was none of the sort of production values that we were seeing from snap, uh, who I think snap was the, were the ones who really defined how to do these kinds Absolutely. of events last year. Um, they had a very good sort of virtual stage. Google did it on a real stage on their campus. Um, but they did, you know, have us have several stage setups and, and did it like a normal event. This was literally just filmed in people's homes, um, which is fine. Uh, I think it matches the uh, announcements from the event, which were very modest. Um, mm-hmm. and there were there were no big, uh, significant new announcements to how Facebook works as a platform. Um, a lot of it was very focused on new tools for the areas that, you know, Facebook is interested in, in developing in, um, specifically tools for, uh, for messaging and mm-hmm. tools for for businesses running on their platform. Um, the most consumer facing thing that I think consumers will notice uh, in the short term is some of the updates to the Spark AR platform. But it almost feels like that was only included just because they knew Snap was going to talk about AR like two weeks ago. <laughs> I like their the announcements were not... the metaverse. And he name dropped the he, metaverse. He, like he that's did. my thought. <laughs> he, he, did, he did name drop the metaverse and also say like 50 times that eventually these will work on a pair of glasses that they're working on. Um, like <laughs> we get it. We know that Snap just launched glasses and you were not launching them yet. I don't want to say that they shifted the, the programming in the past week because of Snap. I think they knew Snap was going first and was going to talk about AR. Um, and so they wanted to make sure that they talked about AR also and that they are also working on glasses. Have you heard about glasses? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Other than that, it was it was um, a lot of things that, that I think are more serving Facebook as a platform and less of interest to brands. Um, I think that there, there was, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of focus on messaging, um, which feels a little, um, unhip in the U S these days, I'm going to say, uh, I feel like a lot of the, they, they rolled out new features and, and API access for messenger, Instagram, and WhatsApp, um, for their business messaging tools. Mm-hmm. A lot of the focus was on WhatsApp and especially on international markets, which mm-hmm. totally makes sense. WhatsApp is emerging as a, you know, good place for commerce and for customer service globally, because it is such a, you know, its footprint is, is much larger globally than in the U S right. But when we we come back here to the U.S., it is a little like, well, we we expect people are going to be shopping on Instagram uh, much sooner and more often than they are on WhatsApp. And frankly, I personally haven't even seen a WhatsApp sort of retail integration or even really a customer service integration based in the U.S. yet. I just don't think it's on brands' radars. I think they are more focused on Instagram right now. Right. So speaking of kind of some of these like like announcements, and to your point, they really were tailored towards the developer audience, which makes sense. You know, Mark Zuckerberg came out and said, like, we're going back to our roots. It's the, called the F8 Refresh. They're uh, kind of, I guess, pivoting or uh, reestablishing the conference, you know, focused on developers and getting developers to build on their platform and trying to improve those improve those tools we'll see how that works works out for them because i i know to your to your point and we we're talking about like before the show there seems to be some questions as to how many people are developing on the platform at least in in the u.s we know facebook's massive globally um but to your comment about whatsapp being or messaging being unhip at the moment um <laughs> it's just kind of interesting to see where they're placing their priorities but let's talk about messaging 
a bit a bit deeper. I think that the problem is that Facebook Messenger is not as popular in the US as WhatsApp is in the rest of the world. And that is a problem for Facebook. <laughs> and even Instagram Direct, is, Instagram Direct is like, I think a totally different type of messaging because it's meant for you to message with people that you're not necessarily in a reciprocal social relationship with. It's, it's intended to be able to message strangers in some ways. Um, I just don't think that the, like, I, th I think they want Facebook Messenger to be in the same position as WhatsApp, but people were organically using WhatsApp for retail and transactions before Facebook started building tools for it. And I think what they're doing now is they're improving, the, they're, they obviously built those tools a few years ago. They're improving those tools every year and rolling out new features based on how real people are using them. And what I'm seeing them announce for Messenger is tools to try to get people to use messenger the way that people are using WhatsApp and other parts of the world. And I think that that's just a, it's, they don't have the footprint in the U S in messaging, uh, to really, to, to pull that off. And, um, I think that what they should be focused on and what might, might help is convincing more people to use messenger in the first place. Um, and, convincing, <laughs> and I don't think that, that messaging with brands is the way that to get people to do that. I think that's a thing that you add on once you're already opening messenger every day to talk to your friends and family. And, you know, I get it. The messaging space in the U S is really competitive, but, uh, unless they can differentiate somehow. Um, and again, I don't think the way you differentiate is by forcing brand conversations in there. Um, I think it's, uh, they're, they're fighting an uphill battle in the U S right. And and to your point, um, Instagram is probably more of a place, especially in the U.S., where we see people spending more time and having conversations. And I guess that that to me that that, that makes sense why they originally uh, made the Messenger API for Instagram, um, which was in closed beta last year, is now available to all developers uh, across all the U.S. to kind of start to build that type of experience into Instagram. So it seems like maybe. Instagram is just another place where they're looking to bring those messaging capabilities, um, especially when it comes to customer service. I know they yeah. mentioned that they can uh, help customer service reps look up a person's order history in real time, which would be great. Do order management. So potentially Instagram becomes that place where they spend their time and want to develop and bring those experiences for the U.S. audience, just given their relevancy or of Instagram to the U.S. audience. Yeah. And I mean, if you are a brand that is selling on Instagram, if you have a shop on Instagram, obviously Instagram direct makes way more sense as a communication channel. Because if I'm shopping there and I have a question about my order or I want to reorder something and it's not there or I can't find it, I'm going to use Instagram because that's where I was already shopping. Um, I think I, I think that the larger question is for brands that aren't selling on the Facebook platform, where do you go? Facebook would like you to go to Messenger, uh, but I don't think the engagement is there to really support that. Um, I think it makes sense if you're selling on on Instagram, and, and you know they are the, the shops do work across Instagram and Facebook, and maybe if you're in Facebook and you're shopping, obviously maybe Messenger makes more sense. Mm -hmm. um, but then it does start to raise the question of why is this a separate app again? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question, and we'll see how this. Develops uh, over the course of the year, uh, knowing that these tools and APIs are now available to developers and brands to start experimenting uh, and figuring out how and what ways they can use uh, these new tools to bring you know quality products to their customers. I do want to transition and talk about the uh, Spark AR platform for 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 a minute because um, I know we brought that up as something that they definitely brought up to say is a 
competitive to Snapchat, knowing that Snapchat is that's their big area where they differentiate themselves is with AR. I would say Snapchat is definitely the place to go for for AR. But I thought there was some interesting stats here around the Facebook Spark platform. Uh, so it, it has over 600,000 developers and there have been currently 2 million AR effects on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, yeah, I mean, that does that is talking about developer engagement with the platform. It's not talking about user engagement with the platform, which they didn't really talk about as far as I as I saw. Um, so I think that that is interesting. Uh, but, uh, you know, Facebook, their tools were a little bit ahead of snaps in the beginning when they first started uh, rolling out their AR development tools. Now I think snaps are, are, are much more mature. And I think there's a lot more parity between them. You know, they're, they're putting these AR effects into new places like Messenger and Instagram and, and Facebook and, portal. And portal. Can't, and you portal. can't forget portal, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, you know, uh, one of the the uh, smart displays that is doesn't sometimes gets overlooked in the conversation, but uh, does have has had since day one really good AR effects, um, and there there are more coming. Um, it's you know I, I I think that I would be curious about those user numbers because my guess is Snap has much higher engagement with their AR effects, and this is again Facebook trying to roll out the tools for developers and for brands to encourage the user behavior. But I think it almost needs to go in the other direction in the, in the same way that the, the messaging tools do. It's like, look at what users are doing and then build tools around that um, rather than trying to encourage these behaviors that may not be uh, endemic to the platform. I think Snap, by being this very camera first company, from the beginning, it made sense for AR to be part of their strategy with Facebook you know, Instagram isn't camera first in quotes the same way that that Snap is, right? It is uh, for all of the things that Facebook has done to try to make it that way. It is still mostly for consuming content, not for creating content. Um, and I think that that is the and as is Facebook itself. And I think that that is the, the challenge that they're up against. So we'll continue to watch how Spark AR develops uh, over the next year uh, as a viable platform for AR development. Uh, another announcement that the Facebook had on F8 was uh, business apps. So business apps are essentially third-party applications that developers can build that will uh, be integrated into the Facebook business suite, which is essentially a uh, a hub for small businesses to uh, use and manage their presence across Facebook properties, so Facebook Messenger and and Instagram. They're essentially creating this this marketplace or app store uh, that is focused on. Um, helping businesses grow and providing new applications and tools to uh, make their lives easier. So notably, there's some uh, third-party apps developed by Booksy for booking appointments. Square had one in there about um, transactions. So just continuing to build out the ways in which small businesses can leverage Facebook for their um, businesses to kind of help them grow. I think this is a natural evolution of the the product they introduced last fall. And uh, I think that there will be some opportunities for some B2B brands to offer integrations there um, that, you know, if it is useful for for brands managing their their presence on social, I think there's some interesting opportunities for developers and as well as B2B brands to integrate there. Absolutely. And we'll round out our conversation uh, about the F8 announcements with, of course, my two favorite acronyms, machine learning and AI. <laughs> because Adam, it wouldn't be a technology conference or developer conference if AI and machine learning wasn't worked in there in some way, shape, or form. Uh, so they, I guess their big announcement was around a an open source framework called PyTorch. 
This was created by Facebook's AI uh, research unit. And so right now they have some examples of the uh, PyTorch AI models, uh, which currently include the personalizations of user feeds and stories on Instagram uh, as a way to identify and delete um, hate speech off of Facebook. So this is, I think, finally their practical example of what they've been talking about, how they're using AI to help police and moderate um, their their platform. So that's exciting. I hope it's effective and it's a start <laughs> to, uh, you know, reduce the human labor that's involved when it comes to moderation. Because as we know, it's expensive and it takes a lot of people to do it properly. Yeah. As I said, uh, when we were talking about Google I.O., this Facebook combined their uh, their recruitment PR and their consumer-facing PR into this one section. So not only is it about how great our AI is, it's also about how it's uh, reducing hate speech on our platforms. Uh, and those are, I think, very in line with, you know, the kinds of kinds of things that Google were, ta- were talking about last week, but at a little bit smaller scale, because again, mm-hmm. smaller scale conference. Um, but, you know, these, they always need to talk about what they're doing in AI and machine learning, because that is important for the teams that work there as as retention and also for important Mm -hmm. for recruiting new engineers. There is still a really hot job market for engineers in Silicon Valley. And and now because of remote work that has expanded to include people everywhere. Um, And uh, as well as everybody wants to, all tech companies want to sort of make sure they're on the forefront of a lot of these social and political issues that are, uh, we know are important to consumers. Well said, Adam. And just to round out our discussion here, it really seems like this F8, uh, the refresh, has been focused on messaging uh, and the different products and tools that they are building to help developers and brands uh, to really bring messaging to the forefront of their business. Um, and it's interesting because we know going forward, it seems like in Apple's WWDC coming up next week uh, with their invitation, it seems like they're teasing uh, announcements around iMessage and potentially more messaging updates. So um, it'll be interesting to see how uh, Apple comes to the table with their products and what their take and angle on the messaging uh, can be. With that, Adam, anything else to chat about as we round out our conversation on, on, on F8? I just think that this more subdued F8 might be a sign of the times to come and that Facebook mm-hmm. might be realizing that they're... Um, you know, they're not going to have the level of developer announcements that, that say, Google or Apple do every summer. Uh, I think it is important to note there is another Facebook developer event that happens in the fall, Facebook Connect, formerly Oculus Connect. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that that one will be a little bit more exciting. I think there, there will definitely be some new VR uh, and and probably more AR features also announced at Oculus Connect. I think that's when we will see the beta version of the Facebook and Ray-Ban connected uh, mm-hmm. audio AR glasses. Um, we might see some some AR glasses that are, are more in line with what Snap announced a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, I think it doesn't necessarily make sense for them to have these two events as separate things. So my guess is that Maybe starting next year, they do combine them into into one thing, or maybe face F eight becomes more about you know the sort of small business tools and connect stays as the more consumer facing tools. But uh, it does seem like dividing them and keeping them separate has made this one a little bit more subdued than we would otherwise be expecting. With that, next week uh, is WWDC, so check back in for uh, a recap, a Fortnite episode on that, as well as we'll be having a Twitter Spaces uh, where myself and Adam will be going live right after the 
the uh, event ends. So definitely tune into that. You can follow us on Twitter uh, to get all the information there, but we'll be sending out an invite. So uh, definitely make sure you save that for your calendar. Uh, We'll be excited to talk with everybody there. And to close out the show, our Magna team is here with this week's Magna Mythic. So thank you, everybody, and we'll see you all next week. Hi, this is Lisa Kimura from the Magna Media Trials team. This week, our team published a study called Digital Audio Expansiveness, Growing Landscape and Opportunities. Our research found that the role of digital audio has drastically changed. Of those who are listening to digital audio more during the COVID-19 pandemic, nearly all report that the role of digital audio has changed, with many looking forward to listening more and using it as a way to de-stress. We also found that while podcast listening behaviors mirror TV watching habits, podcasts offer a unique listening experience. We found that the desire to listen to new podcasts is just as immediate as new TV shows, and re-listening their favorite podcasts is just as common as re-watching their favorite TV shows. Though podcasts and TV shows are similar on the surface, podcast listeners are more likely to actively seek out new podcasts and 43% of them are receptive to podcast ads, compared to a paltry 17% of TV show watchers who reported being receptive to TV ads. You can find out more about this study by visiting magnaglobal.com. Thank you. Thank you.